Welcome to Fired Up Friday. I'm Gerard Papa, Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt and Principal Consultant at Dynamic Resolutions Group, DRG. Have you heard the old saying, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right the first time? Well, I not only believe this, but I live it every day. My goal was to help the business world embrace it. I have process improvement and strategic planning expertise, and I seek opportunities to tackle challenges with a focus on innovation, efficiency, and quality. I have over 25 years of customer service experience in the hospitality, retail, IT, and healthcare industries. Hi, Mark. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining. Appreciate it. I'm excited so, to be here. So today I will be discussing topics that fire me up. And today's topic is the necessary criteria for a successful improvement project. And I am pleased to have my good friend, Mark Bergman, join me today. And Mark, I can easily say, has the best analytical mind person that I know. Uh, he can look at data very quickly and tell if it's good or not. I've relied on him for you know, his insight and uh, feedback and help uh, several times on this topic. And I think I could say that if I needed someone to take a standardized test for me, that he would probably be the person I would choose. Because I would expect the perfect score. So you got that going for you, which is nice. Wow. I'm clearly not getting paid enough at my job. <laughs> Obviously not. Oh, absolutely not. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I actually uh, am in my second career. First career, I spent uh, about 13 years as a city manager and then moved into the private sector where I Started taking phone calls as a technical services advisor and then moved into a continuous improvement role where I met Gerard. And we both became certified uh, Six Sigma Black Belts. Did a, spent, I think, at least two years, if not longer, as a team doing projects here at uh, Siemens, a company we worked together. And then I moved on to other outsourcing companies. Um, and continue to as continuous improvement activities. Currently, I am working for a outsourcing company out of London, but offices in Mason, Ohio, called NSC Global, where I serve as a director of revenue assurance and of business intelligence. In the role I have right now, I'm not only uh, responsible for ensuring that we're collecting all the revenue we should be collecting, but also looking at opportunities uh, to improve our services we offer as well as our profitability and as that it's as such I'm, I'm still in a continuous improvement role so i'm happy to be on the on the podcast with you thank you and i think uh, as i think this was your idea as we were kind of talking about bouncing off ideas on a podcast because uh, we both have experienced this and these are these are three really key elements to a successful project but i also think some of these things are kind of pet peeves of ours as well and the three the first one being metrics and a measurement system. Uh, I'm just amazed at how many people make decisions without really good data or without even a measurement system. Uh, defined scope, uh, real pain measurable and impactful. Uh, that's number two. And number three is having buy-in on this concept of a no-known solution. So when you have an opportunity for an improvement, you don't already have a decision made. You're not trying to confirm something. It's not about getting rid of people or doing, doing uh, management evaluations. It's really trying to put an improvement in place that addresses uh, the root cause. And so you really need buy-in from not only the process owner, 
that's responsible for uh, for the process, the business owner. And it's very helpful to have really leadership buy-in all the way up to senior leadership because this concept needs to be supported if you're going to first implement it. And then second of all, if it's going to stick, I mean, long-term, you both, you, you and I both know that if you don't do that, it's, it's not going to sustain itself. It's going to disappear, you know, three to six months later. And, and that's not really what you're looking to do when you're trying to make improvements. Uh, you're looking for long-term success. So if we dive into the first one on metrics and, and uh, the measurement system from this article, five key elements to process improvement uh, improving results implies that results are actually measured. Therefore, process improvement projects are focused on improving key metrics of the business. So process measures are identified, defined, and tracked. So if we just stop there I, and Mark jump in, you know, how many times have we started a project where those measures aren't even being tracked, let alone measured? Yeah, so the rule, the rule of thumb is that um... – if you do not have a good measurement system you can trust, don't do the project. Do the, fix, put a measurement system in place. And that may, by the way, be a project of your process itself. Yep. Because by putting that system in place, you're, you're somewhat ensuring that you're collecting data that you can actually utilize to track how, how you're doing. Many, many times on many projects, somebody will come in and say, I need to improve X. And you'll say, okay, uh, where are you at and where do you want to be? And they'll say, well, it, it's just bad. Okay. What, exactly. What's I bad? love that. It's just bad. Okay. It's well, bad. We'll define, define bad. Yeah. And, and, and then it's also important that the, the measurement system be accurate. I'll, I'll give you an example. Of my, in, my, in my current role, uh, I'm responsible for observing. Um, we have projects here. Our project is basically a customer. Um, and we look at, we monitor the, the margins that each one of these customers had on a monthly basis. And we went through a crisis situation where one of the customers went from a, a, a plus 40 margin to a minus 40 margin. And, and of course, the belief was that the, the, the account must be on fire. And what it turned out to be was right. that they were, not, they were not showing the revenue in the correct months. And they were not showing the cost in the correct months. And by doing that, they were over embellishing how well they were doing one month and under embellishing how well they were doing the next month. Again, measurement system. We spent right. a lot of time on calls talking about how think, you know, what we need to do to improve this when it turned out when I was able to what I call normalize the data wasn't anywhere near as bad as it was. And boy, did the chatter stop. Yeah, it's amazing how much how much that process that you just went through will quiet people and shut people down because a lot of times they want to complain about something. And, and healthcare is notoriously bad for this where someone will come and say, Every single time I come here, I don't have this. And I'm like, okay, really? And then you go there and you find out this happened once every 300 days. And they're not tracking it, but it's someone's impression. Um, they experienced it once, and it happens to be someone who's important, uh, a.k.a. a physician. And they make a big stink, and next thing you know, you're rolling out all this stuff without even realizing that it's not a problem or you haven't even analyzed it. And I would start with the metrics first. Do you have metrics that you're tracking? Obviously, you need the measurement system. So those are reliable metrics in that measurement system because most of the things that I've had to do is done through manual data collection because you have so many multi you have multiple systems 
and you can't rely on one system because it doesn't cover that complete process. And so when you start collecting that and you get data sheets and you have people in the process collecting it, you can start getting a better, although it's, you know, it's a sample, uh, it's still a better, it's still a better uh, snapshot of what's going on. And I'm amazed at how many people jump so quickly when someone says something. And you a, good, a good rule of thumb, a good rule of thumb is that, that, it, that if you cannot automate it, um, put in place a manual management system. But in putting in a manual measurement system, you have to be very, very careful. I've had this, I've had this fail so many times when um, it turned out that you didn't, you didn't, as the project manager, give a good definition of what yep. you wanted on each, on each column, for example. Operational, and, an operational definition. Yep. Right. And, and they all start putting in their own stuff. And so yep. you start looking at these sheets, you say, well, this doesn't make any sense. This person's got a lot. This person's got a little. It turns out, well, they, they were, you didn't give them definitions. So they, they created their own. And well, you, and, it could be a waste of time. And that's a, you know, that's a great, it's a great point. It gets into, it gets right into what we've talked about, you know, getting that metric metric system. Scoping does a lot of that too, right? So if you're defining what bad is, you put it in terms of, performance so they're at 40 percent. they need to be at 60 percent. if you're at 40 that's bad uh what an operational definition is not only what bad is but as you said what are each one of those columns that i am collecting data and what do they mean so that especially you know this when we've done data uh from our systems before when we used to do data dumps from clarify and you would have administration and then you would have admin and then you might have admin spell differently, you would have really three different spellings for the same data point. Mm -hmm. And then you had to combine that because people were really saying the same thing, but you had thousands of choices as a result. What, of that. what drives me nuts. And I've seen this in every job I've been at when I've tried to collect data from a variety of systems is the inconsistency, for example, of how, what names people use. Yep. So one system will have Peter Smith, another one will have P Smith, and the third one will have Pete Smith. Now, they're all the same. They're all being done by the same company, but nobody ever thought to themselves, gosh, maybe whatever name I put in there should be consistent across the board in every system it goes in. And because of that, you drive yourself crazy trying to align these things up. So that's really, an, I would always recommend that if you're, you know, especially with onboarding and you're putting people into various yes. systems. Same names on every system. Well, and that's where it starts, right? It starts there because that's your first opportunity to input that data into the mm -hmm. system. And it's so true. Like when we're talking about improvements, people always think that you have revolutionary changes or solutions. We're talking about putting Pete Smith in the same in every system. Mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't revolutionary like automation, robotic uh, changes and improvements, simple things like that. And it, it is really typically those simple things that are really creating all this havoc because you can't, you can't get that data right. And especially if systems are supposedly talking to each other because it will never recognize it. And we right. know this no, absolutely. when one process typically covers multiple departments and multiple systems. So there's your breakdowns and your gaps right there. So when we, we talked a little bit about this, right, collecting data, making sure that you have uh, a form that makes sense, that everyone understands it, that it's clear, that you also define the timeframes. I, I ran into a project where the timeframes were different and someone was 
thought they were supposed to do uh, like one week and I collected after two weeks and they're like, oh, I only did one week. So we had a restart. Um, I've had that simple like definitions about time frames, definitions of the columns, definitions of what's good and bad, when, how, and who does it. All those things have to be clearly defined. And it, it really starts with any successful project, especially an improvement project, you have to start with that. If you don't, then you cannot measure. You can't, first of all, you can't baseline, right? You can't, you don't know where you are. And if you don't know where you are, you certainly can't improve because how can you say that with any confidence that you've improved or you've moved something? You can't. Although one of, do. one of the, uh, one of the types of improvement plans that has been common that I've commonly had to do in all my company all the companies I work with usually deals with customer satisfaction and a constant battle I've had in customer satisfaction is the fact that, uh, customer satisfaction is typically a sample in itself. Yep. Um, you don't usually get if you if you could get twenty percent of your customers to respond. That's that's a miracle. That's and that's considered a success, by the way, too. Oh my God, yes. Uh, typically, it's much less than that. But even at even at that point, um, you're still dealing with a a sample. And if you're looking at, for example, breaking it down by a monthly basis, I've constantly made the argument that that a project because we've gone down in a customer sat from a, a 4.5 on a five scale to a 4.4 a five scale. When you look at the margin of error, when you look at the, you know, when you look at the fact that you're, you're getting a, a relatively small sample that nothing may have changed at all. Statistically, um, right? Statistically. statistically we're talking right. About. Right. Exactly. Well, if you remember when we were doing those account reviews, and we had resolution rate and you'd go from 64 to 63% one month and we'd have to sit there and explain why yes. in, the, in the same manner. Remember those conversations that we had and we had to try and convince people that from a statistical uh, difference, right, that there wasn't. We and were then, constantly have to explain that if you can't control the input, exactly. how can you control the output? Right. And uh, it could be that your resolution of cases done at the desk was just based on the fact that you got a, a slightly different mix of type of calls that came in as good as a service desk. And we're talking about uh, IT service desks could be, if I call you up and tell you my computer is flaming, there's very little you're going to be able to do to resolve that over the phone. Yep. Except, you know, you tell them to get water. So yep. yeah, you have to be very careful. Uh, uh, even if you have a measurement system, that's good that you're understanding what the measurement system is telling you too. And that gets back to that, you know, no known solution type of thing uh, that you discussed in the, on the number three. And, and also the pain. Um, yeah. Is it, is, it, is it real pain? Is it real um, pain? Is it real pain? And, and, and that, again, another really, really good point is that we have seen so many people jump to conclusions and it's typically coming to us to fix it. And then we have to go through this whole process of explaining to them. First of all, it's only like two months worth of data, typically, right? Because we started these accounts. Uh, they went live and we're collecting this data and we go from 64% to 63%. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, what's your action plan to make, you know, to write the ship. And we're like, we're only two months into this. We don't have a good collection of what type of calls we're getting at this point yet. Uh, and so those assumptions are made and without people like you and I, they would make changes. I've been, be in, I've been in two jobs. I've been in two jobs where I served as a transition manager, bringing in a new account 
uh, starting scratch at the at the uh, for the company. And in both in all these cases, there's always an issue of they will come to me in the in the first week and they will say, you know, what can we do to improve our metrics? And I will tell them, I'll tell you what, I, I call it the spitting in the air theory. I'll tell you what, for the next month, I'll go outside every morning and I'll spit in the air. And if, by the way, in a month, your metrics will be better. Right. Now you can credit the spit in the air. You can understand that. Right. As time right. goes on, yeah. the, the process, processes will settle. And until you have a settled process, if you can actually, you're confident you're measuring, you don't know if you have a problem yet. Yeah, and that's it, right. Common cause variation, right? I mean, there's fluctuations in the process. And, and people, people have to understand a lot of these things that we're talking about in order to be successful are very common, very common sense principles that really are missed by most of management that I've worked with. And in, in this role, it's so funny because you said that and you're absolutely right. And they'll say, man, that Mark, he's a real good spitter. As a result yes. of that, I mean, we've improved. And he, so we're, bets. Know, we're great. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. I've done it. And it's so it's so funny and people actually believe it. It would be no different than you being a witch doctor. Right. right? Going, oh, look what I did. Every so day I, I'll do a little dance. Right. And, no, right same thing. Dance. And, and right. so we, you really you have to be really careful. It's really important uh, not to jump to conclusions. And and you have to obviously you have to adapt. I mean, business changes quickly, but you got to be smart about it. And I think we've run into a lot of times where people are like, you're what are you doing what are you gonna do you gotta change this you gotta fix it and you're like um okay hold on let me go get my monkey um look i got my monkey it's all fixed and they're like oh thank you and now you you know you put the monkey in charge and everything's better so it's just funny how things how things work and people seem to kind of miss the boat on those things so so the idea of so the idea of the real pain is 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 a, is a real interesting one, um, because you you really want to have a situation. If you don't have that pain, it kind of goes to your third one you had here, which is the buy-in. Right. You won't get buy you won't get yep. buy-in without yep. pain. You're right. You, you may you may get you may get initial buy-in, but the minute something else happens, they're going to say, "Hey, listen, you got to drop this. Yep. You got to move on to something yeah, else. Absolutely. You just wasted time. You just wasted time on something." Well, and so and make and and here's the thing, equate it to like something on your body. If you have like an if if you have like a slight headache or something, you're not going to run to the doctor, right? I mean, put it on the scale of that. If you have a sharp pain in your side, you're probably going to do something about it, right? You're going to take a an action, and it's no different. If it's really a significant pain, meaning it's making a tremendous impact on your business, you're more likely. In, right in, you know decreasing your satisfaction exactly. i mean you're, you're you're getting you're getting phone calls you're getting phone calls or your yes. twitter line your twitter's blowing up your facebook's pulling yes. up it's happening again and again you know that's that's something you want to work on you're you're going to get the support you need long term you're going to get you're going to get the committed resources because again these process improvement projects require resources these aren't things that you and I typically do on our own because we want the process experts, the people that do the process in there. And in order to understand it, you can't improve anything unless you get them in there. And you're not going to get that committed time, which because it takes time unless they see the pain. And you're right, because the next what will happen is if there's a real fire, they will just drop this and you'll go to the next fire and they'll be sitting there and then you waste the time. And that's a yeah. And to go with that, to go with that, the other problem you have is 
when there is real pain, and because of that pain, uh, they're so underwater, they're so on fire that you can't get their attention to sit down and talk about what, what's going on to try to improve it. I don't know how many times, and you've, you've seen this too in projects, listen, we need, to, we need to sit down and go over this. Oh, I don't have time. Well, the reason you don't have time is because we haven't gone over this. And if you yep. want to have that time in the future, you better go over it now or you're always never going to have time. And, 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 it's, and it's so true because I say this to operations too. Operations never has time. There's never going to come a time where you're going to go, okay, I got six months. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Things off my plate. Now we can do every single thing I ever wanted to do. That, it doesn't work that way. And this, this gets into this pain, which kind of drives the scope, right? Because it gives you a prioritization. It gives you a focus. You're able to scope specifically on what you're going to make this project. So it becomes a subset of what you think you can really focus on and get done so that you're not spending, you know, three years on this project. It drives a lot of what's going to make this project successful. And a lot of these things are, by the way, determined at the beginning of the project. And if you don't do that early on, then you're not going to be able to drive this and you're not going to get support. You're not going to get all the things that we've already mentioned. And, and again, experiencing this for multiple years, we've seen things uh, that still amaze us, I think. Right. I mean, that's safe to say that you're you gotta still have, you got to have a, you got to have a, a smart goal. You got to yeah. have a start of the, you know, what the, the what yeah. the process is you're trying to measure what it starts, where it ends. Yeah. Um, you need to, you know, you, again, we, you know, you need to, of course, of course, have the data. Um, you have to make sure that uh, it's signed off on that the that the people people that the people who are who are asking for this to be done agree with that. The last thing you want to do is is put together a goal, not show it to, not really make sure they understand it, and have them come back a month later saying, "Wait, wait, I don't want you doing this. What is this? Is not even close to what I'm worried about." Well, and that's part of you know the word strategic, right? Aligning. So we were saying the, you know, getting the scope and focusing on the scope and, you know, how the pain kind of drives the scope and making sure that, you know, we're prioritizing those things. Um, we talked a little bit about the goals and making those goals strategic. And so that when you feel the pain, it's affecting your strategic plan. It's affecting your strategic goals, right? If you're underperforming, if you're not getting the revenue need, your customer satisfaction is lower than it needs to be. Those are typically strong strategic goals for an organization. Uh, the subset of that is is making sure that you have a, a goal that is aligned with that as well. Because if you don't, any change is not going to uh, stick. As I've used that kind of term several times, it's not going to last. And when I mean stick, it's not going to last long term. Anything that we, you and I are talking about in this project process is long-term solutions. We're never talking about short-term solutions. There might be short-term solutions as part of the implementation, but we're always talking about this improvement performing over the long long term and then tweaking as, as need be, right? Yeah, and it's important once you've identified the process that you're trying to improve that you make sure that the people that are involved in all aspects of the process from beginning to end, especially if it goes apart, say it goes across departments or divisions are involved in that. A project won't, won't succeed if it's being started at point A 
and you know that it ends in point B and point B has no interest in even working on it. Yep. Um, that, that, that will kill a project right away. And you can start to tell that. I mean, you'll start to tell that right away. If, for example, you can't get people on in meetings, you can't get people on calls and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So and, and when you're looking at processes, a lot of times you find the input is a, is a, the X, right? That's the, that's the critical X. And you have this whole input process that's failing and you're focused on one process and realize it's really the input process. And so you have to get a whole nother set of people involved. And if you can't get them, it's, you're, you're right. It's, you're never going to get any traction and you're never going to be able to move forward with it. So. Right. So that, that kind of gets to your, that, to you, what you were talking about before it's maybe it's sometimes better, you know, to start small and work your way out. Yes. So that, so that at least you can have, you have a, you know, you have a prioritization, you have a milestone and, and that include, you know, that, that ensures that at least something gets done that's going to have an impact. Um, and then maybe start with the input and output. A lot, a lot of times we'll say, well, the, the input, the input is when the, uh, I'll use my, my outsourcing world. The input is when the call starts, the output is when the ticket is closed. Right. That sounds wonderful, but that crosses over sometimes, you know, eight different departments and three different delicious. Maybe you can take care of A, when the call starts and B, when the call ends. Right. And then maybe if you're able to show success, for example, you can then move from when the call from when the call ends and hypothetically the ticket has to go to another department or something like that. Yeah. And that's a, again, that's a great point. It gets back to what I've, I've talked about, the scope and you get scope creep. And it's really dangerous in, in the process world because once you make that process so large, it's impossible to fix because it's multiple processes, it's multiple departments, uh, it's multiple variables, and you're just you're gonna you're gonna run yourself uh, ragged uh, on trying to get a solution. And I think it is better to small start small, and then you can always build on that and expand if you have to. But I, I never I never like being in that situation where. Uh, you are asked to fix this long process and you know that it's going to take years because of the people involved and the multiple departments. I think you said it really well. Um, well, the, the concept, the, the concept, I, I would add, the concept of no new, no, no solution is an interesting one because you and I have both seen how many times when you, you have a sponsor that thinks they know what the solution is, but thank God they're, they're willing to at least listen. Yes. And and later when it goes on, it turns out that the solution they thought the, that would solve the problem ha, would have would have had no impact on it at all. Yeah. So even even if you have a pro, even if you have a process owner that thinks they know what the solution is, if you can convince them, hey, let's 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 measure this. Let's look at some data. Let's let's make sure that uh, we completely understand everything we need to understand the process. And and when it comes time to solutioning. We're not going to not include what you have there, but we want to make sure we understand that there may, other things will come up as a result of talking, for example, the people who are actually involved in the process. Yeah, and I think it does it does come down, down to individuals. I mean, we've experienced both. I think the most success we've had is with with those sponsors who are open-minded, right? They're open-minded, and it's the, the key ingredient here is that they're willing to listen to us. They're willing to allow this process to actually work itself through. Um, I've also had the flip of that is 
people have come to me and said, Gerard, um, I don't think this person's working out. Can you look at the process and tell me if that's true? And I'm like, well, <laughs> right. That's not really, yeah, that's not really, I'm not going to go back and say, yeah, you should fire this person. That's not really, it's a process, not people, you know, I'm focusing on the process, although this person might not be, uh, performing to your levels it's that's not my responsibility to tell you that i think a lot of times they think oh that's going to make me feel better and then i can blame gerard um or mark uh because they're the ones who told me to get rid of this person and i'm never going to do that and i think that's the other myth that that we run into when we're talking about not a known solution is their solution is to get rid of people um healthcare again bringing this up uh, from my experience I've had people come to me and go, Gerard, we have a problem. I'm like, okay, well, what's your problem? And they'll, they'll say, well, we need more nurses. And I'll go, okay, well, what, <laughs> what's so, the problem? Right. So, what, so what's the problem? Right. And they just assume that, well, if I get five more people, that's going to fix the problem. And I'm not saying that that might, might not be needed, but let's not make that assumption. So that's, that's always fascinating to me because operations always assumes that more people are always going to fix it. Right. So organizations, my biggest problem I have with organizations a lot of times, uh, especially the leadership, is they're lazy. It's extremely easy to get rid of people because it it's, takes no thought. And it's really easy just to hire a bunch of people because it takes no thought. And that's what they think a lot of times is going to fix their problem either way. And sometimes that's the case, but it's a, a, very rarely is it. And I would like to, you know, for them to be a little bit more savvy and to take and appreciate the process a little bit more and take and, you know, and, and think and because thinking hurts, it's painful. That's why a lot of people don't think. And I get it. But if you really want to be successful um, and you already know the solution, first of all, don't don't ask us. Right. If you already know what you want to do then why do you need us to to come in and help you? Because that's not going to do anything. You know, like they're going to implement this new software. Right. And they're like, well, Gerard, we're going to improve this by getting this automation software i'm like okay then that's not a project it's not a we project. call them go do's those used to be called go do's right right just go do it yeah, thanks it's an implement it's, thanks a, for you know. it's an implementation <laughs> now you can help tweak it and stuff like that absolutely right but it's it's not really it's not really uh an improvement project because you're not going in and going okay here's a solution and a lot of times as you know people think automation fixes everything If you listen to my oh, yeah. last, if you listen to my last podcast about job hunting, the one thing that has changed significantly in the last ten years in the job hunting process is automation. And guess what? It's added ten days to the process, so it has. It doesn't surprise me a bit. Right. I see I, jobs. The jobs that I get sent uh, from from these automated solutions uh, tell me that nobody actually looked at my resume. No, uh, no, they did not. They did not. You know, and, yeah, I know. and that's they, and that's a keyword pops out and, and and oh that then he must be an expert in that you you, you write down you you worked on a project once utilizing a right. system called genesis and next thing you know you're getting you're getting genesis developer jobs right okay Hoochie mama. Those... right <laughs> I, put on, I put that on my resume oh well we were looking for someone who could yell out hoochie mama yeah exactly so you made exactly. it yeah, I, it's, it, it gets it gets back into this whole thought process, right? There's there's a really a, in everything that I talk about, um, there's a clear theme that I have, right? And a lot of it is things that fire me up, obviously, hence the name. 
But also there's a common theme on the way you approach business. And when you don't utilize these principles and buy into these principles, I think the business is selling themselves short. First of all, I think they're crazy because they're typically doing the opposite of what I would consider successful. And then what they're doing is they're destroying everything in their wake, including employees. And the employees are the ones that are typically the ones who feel the most pain. Uh, the senior leadership gets away and says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it didn't work. We didn't do this and this and this. It's like, OK, right. We didn't do this because you weren't listening to it. And it starts with every process that that hiring process is a process. And if you look at improvements, I guarantee you they did not take that into consideration when they put those things in place, because there's things that they have missed. I can tell you because I'm going through it. And every day I see this and I'm like, OK. Simple things like you got to go like the country you're from. You got to go and search down all the way, go down to the United States. It's like the United States right. should be first, right? I understand it's alphabetized, but most people aren't coming uh, flying from the Virgin Islands. Yeah, exactly. Right? No, I see. I see a lot of that. I see a lot of that. I don't want to get too far off. No, it's okay because it's it's relevant. I think. Yeah, where we're on website development, where where you're filling out a questionnaire and you and you you say to yourself, are you? Tr- are you trying to hire somebody, for example, or are you trying to drive them away? Well, don't you think, um, don't you, but isn't that an interesting question, Mark? Because I would say that they're trying to drive people away, that that's inherently built in their process because they don't want to be bothered. Now they would never admit that, but my first, my first conclusion would be that they're driving business away. And that would be the first thing you would conclude because that's, you just said it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, pro, the way I see the process, especially as I'm involved in hiring people right now, is, is, is that you, you, start, you start off with the basics and then, and then move out from there. But I've, I've gone to websites, and I don't want to say, I don't want to say any companies, for example. Hey, Mark, don't say. They'll, they'll hunt us yeah, I don't, say, I don't want to say any companies that, you know, that rhyme with IBM. <laughs> but go to their site, and you think you, – you, it's going to take it's going to take you 45 minutes to fill out, fill out the 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 information. Yep. And and the stuff they're asking for 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 a job, uh, not that they shouldn't be asking for it at some point, but as an intake vehicle, it just it's just amazing to yeah, me. Yeah. And, and and I the my thing is is that you know the filter it's the first filter. Like if you are going to lose people at that beginning, then that's a filter, right? Right. And. and maybe- and this this gets back. The reason why this topic is important and you know, we've gone on with this example is because when we're talking about this, we're talking about people that have assumed that they already know what the solution is. Right. And all they've done is automated. And what has actually happened is it's made it worse. So when if they would not have taken if they would have taken our advice or taken through this process we would have been able to design that process around the automation as opposed to automating something and then putting in barriers throughout this process. And that's why I wanted to hit home this not known solution because this is overlooked all the time. And so many people that I've experienced are always, they, they already have in their mind a solution and they're almost like looking for you to say, yeah, this is what, this is what I want you to do. Right. Like you're going to go see a fortune teller and Mark goes, I'm the your fortune teller. And I'm like, yeah, you should hire more people. Right. Because that's exactly what I thought I should do. <laughs> so that solves that problem. Well, there you go. And that's like a two minute conversation. And I don't have to waste you know, three months and 10 people's time to, to do that, to come to the same conclusion. So go for it. You know, knock yourself out. 
a a real a real continuous improvement project will take some time. Yes. And that should be that should be explained. I think the fight we had when we first started at at at, at a company was at one point they discovered that there was a term called kaizen. Yes. And 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 said, well, let's do that. Oh, that's so funny that you bring up. You just that, that's an old that's an old world. You yeah. just ripped open an old but it, world. But it's, it's fast. Kaizen yeah. is fast. Now you could probably, if you at some point, you probably want to describe the kaizen process that people who are listening don't know. But it's it's a it's a very specific process. It's an accelerated very... it's accelerated demaic that you do within a five to ten day period. But it has to, to be able to do it successfully. There's a lot of advanced work that has to be done. Yes. You have you have to have a lot of stuff that most companies don't have, as we know. But data as soon as, as, soon as senior management heard that, they said, well, "That's what we're going to do." Yeah. And you said, "Well, you don't have any data." Yeah, but but it's we get it done in a week. Yeah, but I can get my MBA in two weeks. Yeah, okay, that's probably not something you want to do. And the thirty-minute university type of thing, yeah, it's you know, thirty minutes, a thirty-minute, and I, you know, thirty minutes, and and you'll be done. It's like the the whole right. workout. Like all you have to do is fourteen minutes, and you're gonna lose weight. It's like here's the thing: workout. Okay, if you work out, you're probably gonna be healthier, and it's gonna probably be more than fourteen minutes. So, and that is that is a, that is a good an applicable um, uh, comparison because, like I was saying, the, the, you know, a true a, a true project improvement plan is it's going to take time. You want to test it. Yeah. As you were saying, you want to test it, right? And it does take time and it does take commitment. And I think anything done right takes commitment. Now, some projects shouldn't take 18 months, and they do. And and I'm not advocating that. But it does require it does require commitment and it does require to be thorough and comprehensive. And it should match the scale of the improvement you're trying to do. It should match the scale of the improvement you're trying. It's a great way right. to say it. It's a right. Great you, don't, say. you don't want to spend 18 months to, to find an improvement that's going to save you $2,000. Absolutely. That's a great, that's a great point. I think that's the, that's the best way to scale it, right? You know, the smaller and, and the, also the, the other reason to, to be, to have an appropriate scope is that when you have an appropriate scope, then your focus is going to be smaller and the project should be able to be, should be able to be completed too. So when you get big scopes, they take they take longer. If you have a the wrong scope or scope creep, that's when you start, you know, spinning your wheels or running in place. And so but I think that's a that's a great way of thinking about it. It's something that we should always advocate for. It's, if it's two thousand dollars, keep it to scale, right? It shouldn't be taking you eighteen months to get two thousand because you probably spent more than that threefold, right? With right. resources, time, materials. So I think that's that's a that's a great way of, of looking at it. So if we kind of wrap up and talk about, um, you know, the summary, if there, unless there's anything else that you can think of that we need to kind of tie into this. No, I mean, you've hit, this is like, you did, I didn't get to say this at the beginning, but this is one of my favorite topics because this is a, the rule I used to give was if you, if you can't, you know, these three rules that you mentioned earlier uh, that I'm sure you're going to mention again. Yeah. Um, if you don't have those in place, don't do the don't do the project. Don't do the project. Right. Just shut like, it down. It's better to shut it down. Right. Right. I mean, I, I, I created this matrix where, you you know, one of the choices is you don't do the project. Right. And that's OK. That's OK. You get the data and you say, you know what, this is not a project. I think some people think, well, I failed. It's like, no, you did the right thing. You, you, you found out that this is not a worthy project. 
and you save time by not doing it. And that, that is not unacceptable. I mean, I think that's the right thing to do. And if we summarize, right. And these three big points that we've talked about is first have a well-defined scope with clear metrics and a measurement system and make sure that it is strategic and compelling, right? So measure the process, measure the inputs, measure the outputs and measure the process and then have a measurement system that is accurate that you can collect data from. And if you have to do it manually, as you said, make sure that those definitions are agreed upon definitions so that everyone is collecting the data the same way for the same time period and are use, utilizing the same definitions. One of the exercises that I wanted to say that I always kind of stuck with me is when we were going through black belt training, they asked us to go out and count the cars. I don't if, remember this. Yes. And they said, count the blue cars. And so we came back and everyone had a different number. And I thought it was a great exercise because it's like, well, first of all, what do you, how do you define a car? So some people were counting cars, trucks, and SUVs together. Some people said, well, a truck isn't a car, so I'm not going to count that. And then the shades of blue, like, well, that's a greenish blue. That's not really a traditional blue. And we had, I don't know how many people in our class, 12, 15, and we all had different numbers because we used different definitions on what we thought was a car, a blue car. And I, it's the simplest example I can use to help people and to help illustrate that point. Always remember that. So I, that, that stuck with me, and that's, that was a long time ago. On point number two, determine a real process pain. It's evident, and the business owner is committed to change and to improvement, right? So pain. We were told to use pain because I think that illustrates it. People can relate to it and understand it when you talk that way. Because it's not the loudest voice or the most persistent voice, right? As we know, it is pain, process pain. How is that being exhibited in your business? Are you losing money? Are customer satisfaction dropping? Are you getting a ton of calls, right? Are you getting complaints? Uh, you notice how someone, one person calls and something changes immediately. And that's... I understand why, because that person might be a person of power, but it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, especially when you're trying to make something better. Uh, the third one is be open-minded. Make sure no known solution has been identified. No new software, additional hires, or reorg has been decided, right? So, Mark, hey, I'm going to do a reorg. Uh, let's do a process improvement. Well, we probably want to wait till the reorg is done, because if we don't, uh, we're not going to see those results. We can't measure them, right? That's the other thing we talked about. In a shifting environment, you can't necessarily measure that because you don't have a baseline, nor do you have an improvement, right? Have you seen that before when we've oh, been asked this, right? Absolutely. I, my argument back would be in that situation is why don't we why don't we measure something first before we decide on a reorg and maybe right? Well, that's reorg. Yeah, and that's even that even goes back before they even made that decision. Right. Sometimes that's out of our hands. But I would I would agree with you. Why don't you ask us that? I mean, I, I look at us as that people should be coming to us a lot more than they do. And a simple <laughs> question like that. I, I do. I'm sorry, but I think we're good at this and we would help out a lot more than people realize that example that you just gave is why don't you 
why don't we look at it before we even decide to reorg? It's it's a simple thing to do. Well, we must reorg. You know how many times I went through, here we go. This is my favorite. Centralized to a decentralized model, right? Back again. Then back again. So right. it's like the whole the whole story when uh, then when Ronald Reagan had Alzheimer's, they 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 the story was that they would dump leaves in the pool, so he would pull out and they would just dump them back in again because he didn't remember doing it, right? And it's just like the same thing. It's like oh, we're going to decentralize and we're going to centralize and we're going to do this model like three times in six years, and it's like a circle. It's like okay, it's time it's time to decentralize. So. Anything else to add before before I wrap up? Only only that you should hire um, your company. Thank you. Sure. And I appreciate I appreciate your kindness and I appreciate <laughs> you being on here. Like I said, I think you're really good at this and you have a lot of good ideas and insight. So this is like a perfect topic for us uh, to 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 you know, do a podcast. So lastly, as long as I can remember, and you've known me long enough, that I've always asked why and how come. I'm, I'm very curious that way. Uh, most people would say that know me, that I'm not a conventional thinker. Um, I think I have a unique perspective and vantage point. And that's, I'm proud of that. Uh, and here's how dynamic resolutions uh, group can help, right? Because I can unlock your organization's potential and ask yourself, and, and I've, we've said this multiple times in this podcast specifically, what are your pain points? Are you willing to do something different? And are you committed to change? And then, what are your customers saying, right? Your employees are your customers too. So by providing data-driven analytics to determine the root cause of any issue, I can assist in answering these questions. And one of the things too, lastly, and, and finally, I should say, is that I'm actually offering a Lean Six Sigma tool set process improvement training the first week of May. And a lot of the tools that I'm going to go over will help you do some of these things. I'm going to go over control charts, going to go over process mapping and value stream mapping. A lot of those things that help scope the SIPOC, which is suppliers, inputs, process, outputs, and customers is a great scoping tool. Great. And a great way to identify your metrics in that process. So that training is going to be available. Um, if you want to, please register at www.signmeup.com forward slash one, two, five, zero, two, one, or you can check out my website at www.dynamicrg.com and at Twitter at drginfo. And I know this is your favorite, but always remember and never forget, <laughs> as Rush from the song Grand Design stated, and this is your favorite band, I know this, Mark, so much style without substance, so much stuff without style, it's hard to recognize the real thing. It comes along once in a while. Thank you, and thank you, Mark. Thank you. All right, take care. I'll talk okay. to you soon. Bye.